Everyday Strong with Dr. Michael G. Daniels. This is your host, C.B. Baker here, and we have a really uh, good show uh, today. Um, today's topic is how much fun can Christians have? You know, we've had a lot of people um, that come to church and and literally come to church and leave the club the night before. And, right. and we had a lot we have a lot of people that really judge those people for doing that. Like, weren't you in the club wearing that last night or or wearing something similar to that? And then we sit back and say, well, why are you judging people? You know, um, come as you are statement always comes up, right. you know. So so really, Pastor, we wanted to, to, to touch on the day is how much fun can Christians have? So welcome to the show, Dr. Daniels. Uh, thank you so much. And as always, it's great to be here. And I certainly want to continue to thank those that are listening and those that are looking at us on YouTube. And I want to encourage everyone to spread the word. You know, uh, I think we ought to set a goal of getting a minimum of 1,000 listeners. And so I want to encourage everybody to spread the word, email us, let us know, so we can keep track of what's going on. But yeah, I think this is an excellent topic. Um, you know, um, the, oftentimes, you know, we look at uh, those uh, folk that are in church and we call them, you know, Christians and whatnot. And we tend to question the uh, whether or not they're hypocrites or whether or not they're this or that. And it tends to be a generational thing, you know, like when you're young and you're looking at the old folk who are telling you you need to be holy, you need to, you know, abstain from this and that. And the question always arises, well, did they abstain from it when they were younger? Right. <laughs> you know, and so uh, it, it really uh, paints a picture that if you're going to be a Christian, it, it has to be a pretty dull life, you know, no excitement, you know, no, no enjoyment. But the Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And of course, they that dwell uh, upon it. So the issue would seem to be if the earth belongs to God and if I am a child of God, an heir to what's on this earth, then everything that was put here was put here for my enjoyment. Now, not for my abuse, but for my enjoyment. So I think the things we have to grapple with is, you know, what does fun mean? How do we deal with fun? Uh, are we trying to imitate the world? Are we bringing the world into the church? Are we doing things that may be good, but yet you can speak evil of it if we're not careful? All those kind of dynamics come into play. Um, but uh, if you look at the life that Jesus lived, it also should help us to kind of see that the boundaries that we set are self-imposed and that the Bible does not truly set as many boundaries as we think. Now, do you think, Pastor, that, that the Catholic Church may have had a role to play in this? Because you look at priests and nuns, they just look like they haven't had fun in years. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it depends on how you define fun, let me right. say. Uh, because even though the, the uh, Catholic priests and nuns, they believe in that concept of abstaining from marriage and from anti sexual intercourse, at least that's what they do outwardly, I should say. Right. Um, but <clears throat> there are nuns who have been married and have children. And then, you know, um, right. take, take, take the vows. But see, if you think about it, there are only a couple of things that the Catholics say um, that we would say are not fun things. And probably marriage and sex are the only things that they're going to tell you that are not fun things right. or things you cannot do. For example, uh, in, in, uh, in the Roman Catholic Church, there's no prohibition. Uh, there's no looking down on people if they consume alcohol. Right. In fact, you know, priests consume ap alcohol openly. <clears throat> and, you know, so do <clears throat> most Catholic practice, most practicing Catholics. So, uh, but in the Protestant communities, at least some, I would say, um, 
consumption of alcohol is frowned upon. So in, in the one hand, the Catholics are very open about that. And in the other hand, you know, Protestants are not. So that's why I'm saying it. And, and like, for example, gambling, for example, um, you know, a lot of Catholics run bingo halls, <laughs> you know. Right. And so it's not like they are frowning so much upon gambling. And there's some churches that actually run trips right. to like, to, you know, Dover to, and the other casinos. Right, those kind of things. So, you know, it's kind of a it's kind of a mixed bag, you know, of what people um, do and what they don't do. I, I think the overwhelming problem that we often have is we, we again, what we like to do is judge others with a harsher yardstick than we judge ourselves. And I think therein lies the basic problem. You know, um, the uh, uh, apostles um, all had an argument about this very self-same thing where uh, it, some of the apostles wanted to require the Gentiles to keep the law, the practices that the um, Hebrews were doing. And James, the brother of Jesus, he he raised the issue, why should we put on them what we could not do ourselves? Right. You know, uh, and, and so they decided, you know, some basic principles, you know, one was to abstain from meat given to idols because, it, they, you know, they thought it was imperative that we did not entertain any concept that related to idol worship. And the other was to avoid fornication because their point was you don't want to do anything that um, goes against uh, how your body deals with a relationship and those kind of things. Those are the only two things they laid out uh, actually for the Gentile church. They sent letters explaining that. Now, as time progressed, we tended to add things back in. Right. And things that were added back in were not necessarily things that are biblical in nature, but they were things that were based on culture. Uh, of, of where folk were, and we kind of treated it as if it was biblical, and it really was just culture. Hmm. So now for the, the the question that everybody listening has got, Dr. Daniels, can I go to the club and still be saved? Well, here's what my mother always taught me. Uh, she would say, if God is not strong enough to keep me saved in the club as well as out the club, then he's not a strong God, <laughs> you know, right? Uh, because clearly the Bible indicates that uh, that nothing can separate me from the love of God. You know, that's what the Bible says. Nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is in and through uh, Christ Jesus. So can I go to the club and still be saved? Absolutely. You know, let's look at it in a practical way, just, just a practical standpoint. Let's consider if someone were to say to you uh, as a Christian, um, are you going to a football game? No one would question it. Not right. one person would question you at the football game. Well, let's compare the two, if you will. Okay, because I, I went to a football game uh, last night, by the way, uh, for a couple of uh, uh, folk from the church and I. We went to the Redskins game uh, when they played um, um, the Raiders. Uh, the, right, the Raiders. Now, I, I'm at the game. The guy sitting behind me is drinking. OK. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's also uh, cursing, you know, quite profusely. <laughs> he, he was an right. Oakland fan. So he was using all rate of using all kind of, you know, explicit ex, ex, deletives. You know, he was just right. you know, going the gamut. Right. And there were, uh, was a, uh, a Redskins fan beside me who also was drinking, but was also using cursing, but in a happy way. <laughs> you know, right, right. so all that's going on. You have the cheerleaders out there that are scantily dressed and a couple of guys were lusting after the cheerleaders. So all that's going on. Right. And I'm at a football game. 
let's consider a club. You go to a club, there's drinking. Yeah, <laughs> right? there is. There's cursing. There are women who are scantily dressed and there are people who are lusting. Now, what's the difference? Yeah, not too much what you just said. Right. See, there's no difference. It's just the way that we allow our cultures to look at the events. Mm-hmm. See, no one questions the pastor if he goes to a football game. In right. fact, pastors who are football fans, members will buy them tickets to go to the game. Right. But you won't give your pastor a ticket to go to a club. <laughs> <laughs> no. Even though the same thing takes place. So, you know, Jesus, you know, put it simply, um, he said, uh, when people were questioning sin and things like this, he said, remember this, because they were questioning him about sin because his disciples were eating without washing their hands. Again, cultural thing, eating without washing their hands. And so they, those look, they looked at them as if they were sinners. And Jesus said to them, uh, it is not what goes in a man that defiles him. Because what goes in a man goes through his circulatory system and comes out of him into the drawer or, you know, into the toilet, whatever you want to call right. it. He said, it's, it, it, it is, so it's not what goes in that defiles him, but what comes out of him, meaning his mouth. He said, because what comes out of his mouth proceeded from his heart. And so that's the issue. So his point was, we get so wrapped up in, you know, the things that we perceive and we don't look at what really is the issue. The issue is not what I do, but the issue is my heart as well. You know, because the Bible says, oh, no man, nothing but to love. And so we got to we got to move away from all those other things that blind us and realize that the overriding thing is that we love God with all our mind, body, heart and soul. And that we love our neighbor as ourselves. So now I'm not telling folk to, you know, just go out and start going to clubs. <laughs> right. Know? But what I'm saying is that the reality is that the club itself does not indicate whether or not I'm a sinner or not. You know, dancing does not indicate whether or not I'm a sinner or not. Um, uh, if my wife and I were at a wedding, let's say, and we were dancing, no one would question it. They would not say, oh, my God, the pastor and his wife are dancing. They're going straight to hell. Right. You know, they wouldn't question that. So why is it different if I'm dancing at, you know, at a, at a wedding or in my backyard, you know, at a family cookout? Why is that so different? So why does the location make it so different? Right. You know? And I would feel like, you know, you're married to your wife to have fun. You know, like it's if you want to dance and get down, go ahead and get down, as, as uh, Richard Prowl would say. Right. Well, that, uh, you're right. And so the question that we people need to grapple with is why do they think the where is more important than the what? Right. You know, uh, and, and that that really does not make logical sense. Uh, And I'll give you another example right quick. Consider the first miracle that Jesus did. You know, the Bible says, here's what happened on the first miracle, that that there was a wedding feast and his mother and she's assembled there, some relatives, some people are there. And they run out of wine. Now, wedding feast was not a one day event. It was a prolonged event. You know, it lasted approximately a week. They run out of wine. And so uh, Jesus's mother tells them, you know, go talk to my son. All right. About getting more wine. Right. And so Jesus looks at his mother and says, woman, why would you tell them to come to me? This is not my event. You know, my time is not yet come. And but nonetheless, you know, I'll do it. So they come in and ask him what to do. He said, listen, here's some water pots, fill them with water. They fill the water pots with water. Jesus blesses and the water turns into wine. 
Now, when the water turns into wine, the governor, he tests the wine because that's his job. And he says, wow, I can't believe this. Most people, when you're serving wine, you serve the best first. Right. And then you serve the worst last because people are well drunk. They don't know what they're drinking now. <laughs> right. They don't need to be good anymore. But you have saved the best for last. So he was saying the wine that Jesus made was better than the wine that they had in, in the first place, which is an indication of the quality of the wine he made. Now, a wedding feast is a time of dancing. That's their culture. Right. It was a time of dancing. It was a time of drinking. It was a time of merriment. And Jesus was there. And he invited his apostles to be there. Right. And he turned water into wine. <laughs> now, again, I'm not advocating drinking, but I'm just stating the facts that if he viewed that as being such a problem, he would not have invited his apostles to come with him to the wedding feast. So why do you think that Christians make that a, a, a major issue? Uh, I would say some Christians, but if you understand the, and I say some because we'd say it's an issue, but not for us, it's for other folk. Okay. Now, <laughs> right. uh, I'm saying this because if you understand the development of the, the Protestant, you know, uh, um, uh, of where we are, uh, it really was a Puritan practice. It wasn't something that all Protestants did, but the Puritans are the ones that were primarily focused on that, that idealism that you have to abstain from anything that remotely resembles you are a part of the world, okay? And that's where it really stems from. But if you think about it, you know, again, uh, you know, most Christians I know do a lot of things privately that they say they don't do. You know, so that's what makes people think we're hypocritical is because they'll go to Las Vegas and they'll gamble. They'll drink. They'll do all these things. They'll go on a honeymoon and they'll do all, you know, they'll have a good time. But then they'll come back and act like they did nothing. Right. You know, which puts us in a bad light. Now, I will say this. The Bible says, do nothing where about that brother stumbleth. It says, don't let your good be evil spoken of. So if 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 um, if if me going to a comedy club offends you, I'm not going to go because I don't want to offend you as a Christian. Um, but I'm saying to say this, that oftentimes what Christians say they abhor publicly, they do privately, you know, and I think it's time for us to be real about who we are and what we are and to stop putting these burdens on people that the Bible does not put on people. Right. It is us doing it. Now, have you ever felt uncomfortable being at, let's say, at the Funny Bone and the person is telling really raunchy jokes? Do you feel uncomfortable laughing at those jokes or do you say, you know, I'm here to have a good time and I go ahead and go ahead? And I, I don't feel uncomfortable anywhere I'm at, you know, unless you're telling jokes that are meant to hurt me as a person. Right. You know, like if you're telling racist jokes meant to hurt me as an individual, if you're telling jokes you know, anti-Christian jokes that are harm, hurtful. If you tell an anti-Christian joke that is not hurtful, it, that didn't even bother me. You know, right. I hear people joke about how long, you know, black or African-American preachers preach. That didn't bother me because it's true half the time. You know, <laughs> or when they yeah. joke about African-American preachers begging for money, that didn't bother me because they right. do like to beg for money. Right. You know, or how long the church service lasts because right. some of them do last quite a bit. So that doesn't bother me. Uh, listen, and I hope my mother doesn't get mad at me with saying <laughs> but uh, I grew up in a household where my mother did not hide her um, use of profanity. Okay. Right. So I'm used to profanity. In fact, 
Um, bless her heart. I love her dearly. She would write us notes and profanity would be in the notes. <laughs> so you would come home from school and there would be a note saying, clean this blank, blank house before I get home. Or else I'm going to whoop your blank, blank, blank. <laughs> okay. Now that's in the note. Right. And, you know, sometimes we would jokingly say, well, mom, why are you cursing? And she would say, that's not cursing. She'd say, profanity is not cursing. I'm just using words that you will understand. <laughs> she say, if cursing is when someone says something like this, uh, I declare that you will be poor the rest of your life. She said, that's cursing you. Mm. Or if I say you will, you know, now, you know, die of a heart attack, that's cursing you. She said, I'm just using words that you understand. So those words were part of the vocabulary that I heard right. as a child growing up and, you know, hanging out at the pool hall. And, and when I got saved, I understood that words are a way of communicating. So we can't, we, can't, we gotta, we gotta accept things the way they are. Words are a way of communicating. And the issue is, does it communicate the intention of what is being said? Like at the game last night when the guys were using profanity, I understood what they were trying to communicate. Didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. I understood the communication. I have a brother that, you know, uses profanity um, quite well, uh, but he's not doing that to harm. It's just his method of communication. I understand that. I can use words that are not profanity and make you feel extremely bad. I would say that's worse than using profanity to give you laughter. Yeah. It, oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I grew up in the same type um, environment and then playing sports with with coaches. You mm-hmm. know, I come in an environment when high school coaches was cussing out, right, cussing yeah. out the players. Yeah. I don't even know if that's even allowed now, but it got to the point where you don't even hear the cuss words anymore. Yeah. You just hear the message. Right. And you're like, okay, number one, I got it. You're very upset. Mm-hmm. And two, I need to go do what you're telling me to do or you're going to, you know, or I'm not going to be in the game anymore. Absolutely. And yeah, so that's what I'm saying. It doesn't bother me. Yeah, like people say things like, you know, and I recall um, when I was uh, in my early 20s, I was at a church, a very fine church. Um, and um, I didn't stay, by the way. But um, the, the gentleman said that you couldn't go to Bush Gardens because it was owned by Anheuser-Busch and they sold beer. He said you couldn't go to Virginia Beach because the girls wore bikinis and that would lead to lust. Now I'm thinking, let me digest this for a second. So I can't go to Bush Gardens because it's owned by Anheuser-Busch and they sell beer. Wow. That would mean I can't go to Food Line, right? Because they sell beer. So that would mean I can't go to you know Farm Fresh because they sell beer. Mm-hmm. That would mean I can't go to most restaurants because they sell alcoholic beverages. He also said that you can't put anything in your body that's harmful because the Bible says that your body is a temple. So therefore, to put nothing in your body that's harmful, do nothing to your body that's harmful. That would mean that ladies that put perms in their hair are sinning. Because a perm, we know harms your hair. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, right? It would also mean I can't eat potato chips mm-hmm. because they have trans fats in them. You know, you get to a point where you can't even breathe air anymore right. because that's harming the body and right. therefore it's sin. Again, you have to put it in perspective, and that is, um, do we get so wrapped up in the letter of the law that we we forget the intent of the law. And that's the problem that Jesus had with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. 
that they were forcing people to deal with the letter and not understanding the intent. So again, I'm just saying, it didn't bother me to go anywhere. It didn't bother me to go to the beach and see folk wearing bathing suits. I'm grown enough that I, not to lust after folk just because I see them in a bathing suit. I can go to a restaurant and you can sit, be sitting beside me and you can be falling out drunk. As long as you don't fall in my food, it doesn't bother <laughs> me. <laughs> not, right. one, not one bit. Uh, I can be around you and you can be, you know, doing any number of things that the world may find that should be offensive to a Christian. I'm not offended by it too much because here's what I believe. In order for me to reach the world, I must be willing to go into the world. Right. And, and, and I can't go into the world if I'm afraid to be around people who do things that may not fit the norm as far as what the church folk think. You know, how can I come to you and talk to you if all I'm doing is putting you down because of what you do? That's not what Jesus did. Jesus met people where they were. He did not condemn them for being human. He condemned them for being hypocritical. Right. Now, I'm going to make a statement and you say yes or no or a question. Is that mean that Christianity is more a self-discipline type religion? where the, the things that you're taught in Christianity is to really for you to be self-disciplined around certain things. Um, so you do want me to answer that one, yes or no. And, and if I, you, it, you can go, you can go deeper. If, I, if I say yes or no, it would have to be no. Gotcha. Uh, because Christianity is not about self-discipline. Christianity is about outward love. And, and see, again, that's what Jesus said. Right. Jesus said, that love, <clears throat> excuse me, is love of God is number one, right? Mm -hmm. Love of neighbor is number two. The Bible also says that love will hide a multitude of sin. Now think about that. Love will hide a multitude of sin. So what does that mean? It's saying basically that if I show love, the things that most people think are sinful, God does not even look at that way because I'm doing it in love, <laughs> You know, yeah. and, and and here's the deal. The Bible says that all the prophet and all the commandment is based on that one concept that you love your neighbor as yourself. And so all of those laws that are put in place are put in place so people would learn to love. For example, if I love you, I will not kill you. Thou shalt not kill. If I love you, I won't steal from you. Thou shalt not steal. If I love from you, I won't cheat on you. Thou shalt not commit adultery. If I, you know, love you, I won't lie. Thou shalt not bear false witness. So all the commandments are, they're designed to, to, to tell me how to love you more. Well, if, if I already have that in me, if the Holy Spirit puts that in me to love you more, I won't be sinning anyway because the Bible says that God is love. And that's the primary purpose is so I can love you the way God intends me to love you. And I can love God the way he intends to be loved. Well, that's a good answer for my question. Then. <laughs> you covered pretty much everything on, on that. So, you know, I, so for people that if I'm in a, an environment where I'm around um, a bunch of other pastors mm -hmm. Should I change the way I act if I'm not completely um, sanctified full with the Holy Ghost, so to speak? If you, you know, you, you, mm -hmm. sometimes you get in that environment where right. you're okay, where I I can't really be myself, you know. Or if you you go somewhere and you end up at the conference or something, and they have the wine out mm -hmm. and things like that, and the music's playing, mm -hmm. and but you, but I'm at a table with say five pastors, 
is am I okay to feel, hey, I'm gonna go over there and get me, you know, something to drink and go dance and not really feel bad that I'm with five other pastors at my table. Well uh, here's what I would say. If I go to if I personally go to an event and there was wine out and I'm at a table with five other pastors, my first question is, why are those five other pastors at this event where there's wine out? Right. If if they're offended by it, so if, they're, if good, they good are point. offended by it, they shouldn't <laughs> have been there. They should have stayed home. Uh, and so based on that, again, I'm going to do nothing whereby my brother stumbles. OK, so if it offends you, I'm not going to do it. You know, the Bible is clear. It says, you know, if it offends you, don't feel, I'm not going to do it. But the question is, are you being offended really by it? Or are you being hypocritical about it? See, that, that's what you got. To, and it's a, granted, it's a hard thing to kind of discern at times. But I would suggest to you, for most pastors, um, that is not necessarily offensive. It is a matter of them sometimes being, I say sometimes, being hypocritical. Because if wine offends you, why would you come to an event where you know they're serving wine? That, right. to me, makes no sense. Uh, so my thing with the, the, the issue, it should be on the other foot. See, the pastors ought to be strong enough. They ought to have enough sanctification and Holy Ghost in them to not be offended just because you are not as perfect as they want to be. Right. As a pastor myself, I don't expect members to have a greater understanding of the Bible than me. I don't expect them to have more faith than me. They may. I just don't expect it. I don't expect them to be more grounded than me. In fact, I expect them to make more mistakes than I make. And so it doesn't, I don't get, feel bad if you make a mistake because I understand that that's life, you know. So I think that pastors really ought to take the other uh, end of the spectrum and be more receptive and, and more, uh, um, I guess, uh, neutral um, concerning people's behavior. Because the bottom line is, um, so were we at one time, you know. And, and, and matter of fact, the, the Bible clearly says that, that, you know, had it not been for the grace of God, we would be where other folk are, too. And we're not perfect. We're just saved by grace. And we're still making mistakes. We just make different mistakes. And right. so how can I categorize your mistake against my mistake? They're just mistakes. Yeah, that's a very good point. I find that um, I know with me and my journey in faith and, and running across different type people. It's mm-hmm. funny how it's like you don't meet people on the same level. Everybody's on a different level. Right. Everybody is unique in their in where they at in their faith. You got people at the very top, you got people at the very bottom. Mm-hmm. And some people you just realize I found pastors like some people this is as far as they're gonna get in their faith. And there's you know, because it, it's only they're allowing themselves to be cut off or to hit that ceiling. Right. You know, so it's like, but I don't like try to force feed Anything. So that leads me to my next question. How what is your statement to people who force feed um, Jesus Christ on people like constantly over and over again? The the super Mm -hmm. sanctified people that, you know, like the ones that be standing in the corner in Las Vegas, we walk down the street and he's got Mm -hmm. signed up and he's reading out the Bible with the megaphone. You know, like how do we deal with that? Because sometimes when I see that person. I take his card. I want to talk to you know. I, I hold a conversation because he mm-hmm. is a Christian, sure, but sure. he's also like berating me with stuff. And I'm like, Hey, yeah, I got it. 
I'm mm-hmm. going to go over here and have my fun. But mm-hmm. you know, I just want to announce, hey, man, you're doing you know, a good job being here. Sure. And and again, you know, I, I mean, I certainly I agree with you. You know, I, I, I certainly don't want to discourage anyone from what they believe their calling is. And, and I, won't, I can't speak negative of, of, of those individuals that do that great service. Uh, but here's what I would suggest to anyone is that uh, follow, follow Jesus' teachings. There's nowhere in the Bible where it gives the indication that Jesus spent a lot of time berating uh, people who were open, honest, and non-hypocritical. Now, I, I stress that, non-hypocritical. If you look at Jesus' teaching, the people he berated were people who were hypocritical, mm-hmm. people who said one thing and did another, people who tried to act holy, but yet, were not holy. In fact, he said that they those people were like painted sepulchers. In other words, he's saying on the inside, they are rotten. They are like corpses that are decaying. But on the outside, they are painted white. So they give the outward appearance of being one thing. And on the inside, they're just the opposite. And that's how he looked at folk. Uh, Jesus uh, considered this, for example. Um, Jesus hung around with um, people we would call the dredges of society. You know, he hang around. He hung around with prostitutes. He hung around with alcoholics. He hung around with um, thieves. He hung around with those kind of folk. He hung around with publicans, which in the Hebrews' eyes was the worst of people to be with. So, I mean, if it was if he hung around those folk, you right. know, like why are we so caught up in trying to uh, make it seem like people who are not perfect are so bad? When the reason why he died on the cross was because we are imperfect to right. save us from our sins. That's what grace is all about. I, I think the best way to p- bring someone to Christ is not by what I say, but how, what I do, how I live my life, my actions, how loving I am towards them, uh, how patient I am with them. In fact, the question was raised, I shouldn't say question, but issue comes up in the book of James um, when we talk about um, dealing with folk and helping folk and, and the power of prayer. And here's what James says. If a brother is hungry and you say, come, let me pray for you, God will provide. He said, that does nothing. If the brother is hungry, feed the brother. <laughs> Right. And then let's thank God for the food in prayer. And see, his point was obvious. It's what I do to show love that will allow him to appreciate God, not just me talking about love that will allow him to appreciate God. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Daniel. That's the end of our time. Um, please, everybody, um, when we put this video out for on, on our YouTube, please uh, check that out and forward it on to other people and make sure you forward on our message on for SoundCloud and look at us on iTunes. Everybody has an iPhone out there. We are on iTunes and Everyday Strong with Dr. Michael G. Daniels. Thank you so much. This is your host, C.B. Baker. Till next time.